Here we go, folks. I am sitting uh, under the pink dome in the People's Republic of Austin with uh, Riley Gaines. And Riley, I have to ask you, first of all, I've watched you operate today, and you've been pulled in one direction and another all day, <laughs> testifying, giving interviews, getting pictures made with people. Is this your life every day, or do you... Truly, it really is. It's... um. I've, this past year, I've tried to fill my days back to back to back to back, calls, interviews, podcasts, anything I can do to continue advancing the message. Mm-hmm. Again, this isn't about me. It's not. I, I was totally thrust into this position. It's not about advancing myself. It's about the message, and you would think I'd be worn out or tired of it. Um, but, oh, my gosh, I've done this over 365 days in a row, uh-huh. and I'm still so passionate about it, more passionate about it than I was a year ago. So tell tell my listeners what we're talking about. Absolutely. If they, if they may not know Riley Gaines, I kind of doubt it. By the way, there's a lot of young men in Texas who noticed the big giant ring on your left oh. hand and were very disappointed, but... Uh, Oh, well, there's uh, more fish in the ocean for those boys. So well, why, why why are you uh, getting so much attention these days? Last year I graduated from the University of Kentucky where I was a swimmer. Um, my senior year, we were forced to compete against biological male, who was formerly Will Thomas, now identifies as Leah Thomas, swam three years on the men's team at University of Pennsylvania before deciding to transition his senior year to the women's team. Ultimately, this was a mediocre male who went from ranking 462nd in the nation at best to um, the year prior to the next year beating every female in the country by body lengths. Um, at our NCAA championships, Thomas and I, almost impossibly enough, in the 200 freestyle, we tied. Um, so we went the exact same time down to a hundredth of a second. And so what really thrusted me over the edge, I knew the unfair competition was wrong. I knew the locker room was wrong. But when the NCAA, after we tied, they looked at Thomas and myself and they said, great job, you guys tied, but Thomas takes the trophy. Leah takes the trophy. Because Mm. Leah has to have it for photo purposes. That's what pushed me over the edge. That's when I realized, okay, enough is enough. They just reduced everything I've worked my entire life for down to a photo op to validate the feelings of a male at the expense of my own. We were collateral damage. And when I say we, I mean the female, female athletes. We were collateral damage in this whole thing. And no one cared. Um, so that's what pushed me over the edge, and I want to add those Texas boys will find someone because there's nothing there's nothing cuter than a masculine Texas boy, right? <laughs> there you go, there you go. That's good to hear. So um, you, I went to, by the way, you have a website RileyGaines.com. That's a pretty easy R I L E Y G A I N E S dot com. Yes. So I went there, and it tells your whole story. You started swimming when you were how old? Four years old. And so um, I dedicated 18 years of my life to my sport, whether that be in your sport-specific training, whether that be in weights, in your sleep schedule, in your your diet, your physical rehabilitation, not to mention the social sacrifices, the, the amount of school you miss. There's so much that goes into your sport, shaving merely a few one-hundredths of a second off. That's all you're trying to do at that level. Um, so, yeah, it's a lifelong journey. And then you finally, and you get to college, and that was your senior year when you ended up getting in the pool with a male, and not only getting in the pool with a man, but um, having to confront, uh, unbeknownst to you, this same man in the locker room. Tell us about that. That was, truthfully, that felt like the worst part of it all. Because, what, two years ago, um, 
a DA would have walked into that locker room and arrested this man for voyeurism, indecent exposure, sexual harassment. I'm sure the list can go on of things that Leah Thomas or any male in that woman's changing space was convicted of. But now, not only was it happening, it was almost as if it was encouraged. It was celebrated. But in that locker room space, first of all, the swimming locker room is not a place of modesty. These suits you put on, they're teeny tiny. It takes about 15 minutes to put them on. You're fully exposed in those 15 minutes. But growing up a swimmer, you're almost comfortable being being vulnerable in that environment. Um, but add a male to that mix, a six foot four, 22-year-old male, fully intact with an exposing male genitalia, um, and actually, allegedly, his teammates have told me that he was still sexually active with women at the time. Mm. Add a man into the equation where you're undressing. This man is watching others undress, exposing himself. It just felt as if there was a subconscious need to cover yourself. Um, it felt like betrayal. It felt like belittlement. It's, of course, awkward, embarrassing, uncomfortable. But really what the word is for it is traumatic. Mm-hmm. That experience, no girl should have to be forced to give up her consent in an area of undressing where someone of the opposite sex is present. But we all, we were forced to give up our consent. So now you're not the one and only person, woman, who's gone through this no. at all. And... Um, why is it and I, why is it that you're speaking up and so many others are not? I mean, don't want to talk about your uh, your swim mates or anything like that, but why 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 is it more women are not speaking up about this? To be totally honest with you, they're terrified, especially girls who are in my same position at my same age, competed against Leah Thomas or some other trans athlete. Um, they're terrified of being labeled transphobic. They're ter- terrified of being called a bigot or hateful or any of those those labels. I even get called I get called homophobic. I get called racist, which I'm like, what does what? this have to do with race? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they'll throw any label at you. And these girls, rightfully so, understandably, they're terrified. Um, and I, I understood that for a long time. And I could list example after example after example of the silencing that we dealt with. Um, because truthfully, the NCAA, our administrations, our universities, they wanted to silence us. Parents even. They work corporate jobs. I have so many parents who reach out to me and say, you know, I can't risk ruffling feathers or stepping on toes because I work a corporate job, so I can't really defend my daughter. Which is so heartbreaking. We've reached this point where parents even don't even want to stick up for their, their kids because they're scared. And I think that's a true testament. If you take a step back, this is a lot bigger than fairness in women's sports. Um, the silencing, we're changing the language we use. It's it's now offensive to use the term mother. Right. Um, we're birthing people. Um, breastfeeding is offensive. You're now a chest feeder. The denying of objective truth, it's as if they're trying to make us deny the sheer essence of humanity, which is what man and woman is. It's as if we're denying the sky is blue. And I think really all of these things, they're deeply rooted in Marxism. Um, that's the direction this is going. And so take a step back, and it's easy to see. But um, I know it appears as if I've been a lone face, a lone voice, with, alongside some really amazing women. But in regards to people in my same position having competed against a male, um, but I'm not a lone voice. I speak for so, so many, and I know um, it, it's the overwhelming majority that I'm speaking for. So what, is there anything you can point to that has given you 
the courage, the gumption, the whatever to not be afraid? Was it is your family, your upbringing, your whatever? Is there something that pulled you apart from the crowd that said, okay, I'm going to be the one that speaks up? I think a couple things go into this. One, I really do accredit my sport, swimming, especially at that collegiate level where I was team captain for at the University of Kentucky for two years. I accomplished some amazing things in my sport. And I credit the leadership that I have, the confidence, the security. I credit a lot of that to playing a sport. It's allowed me to develop those skills. Um, but really what's kept me going, what's allowed me to take the arrows, is um, I'm just extremely grounded in my faith. I think, again, being a Christian, I look at this as if it's a spiritual battle. Um, it's no longer right versus wrong or good versus bad. This whole thing, and again, bigger than just the sports piece, it's really moral versus evil, light versus dark. And so seeing that, um, I'm able to stay rooted in my faith. It allows me to keep going. I, I struggled with this at first, you know, before anything, I want to live a Christ-like life. And so I struggled at first. Am I doing something that our God would do? Is this something, a light? Uh, is this how he would lead? And I struggled with that, but now I realize our God, he made man and woman, and our God doesn't make mistakes. And of course, we have a God of love who loves all, but we also have a God who hates sin. And that's something I constantly remind myself. Um, my favorite verse of all time, which has been my favorite verse my whole life, because it, it seems so applicable when I was swimming, is Romans 8.18, which is, for our present sufferings aren't worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. And I, I, I compared that to swimming because it truly was suffering. Um, and so the practices were suffering, but it was winning. It, it made it all worth it. But now I take that same verse and I apply it to my life now, and it's still so true. Um, of course, there is a lot of backlash that comes with saying something as simple as men and women are different. Yeah. Um, but... The change is being made. The eyes that are being opened, it's worth the arrows that I take. Well, I have to tell you, you, you actually took the next question right out of my mouth because <laughs> I was going to ask you if this was a spiritual battle. And again, on your website, I found it fascinating that you spoke about your upbringing and the church and your family. And so I'm assuming your your whole family, they're right there behind you, with you. and No doubt. Without a doubt, huh? They're right no there. Doubt. Um, my dad, both my parents were Division One athletes. Um, my dad, he played in the SEC and went on to play in the NFL for a while. Um, my brother, he's playing football now. All my uncles played. They all won Super Bowls. Um, wow. So I'm very fortunate that I have an athletic upbringing. Um, I have, I grew up going to church my whole life. That being said, it's only this past year that I've been really awakened spiritually. Mm. Um Always, I've seen the value, of course, in my faith. But this past year, I've seen so evidently how, of course, our God works, how he's put me in this position. Um, but I've seen just as evidently how Satan works. Mm. Um, and so I am fortunate that I, I have a strong support system at home. My husband, he swam at University of Kentucky, so he understands this lunacy as well. Um, and I'm just really fortunate. Does he worry about you? What's your husband's name? His name is Louis. Louis. Oh, that's right. He's Louis. He's from England, so he has a super British name. Um, uh, he's a he has his British accent, which now has a little bit of a southern twang, which I take full <laughs> credit for. Okay. Um, but he does worry, especially after the whole San Francisco incident, when he felt totally hopeless in that in that time. He was at home, I was in California, and there was nothing he could do. I'm calling him, texting him, you know, 
I'm stuck in this room. Um, they're telling me I have to pay them money if I want to make it home safely. Like he felt help helpless. Mm. And so I'm so fortunate for law enforcement and security who have stepped up and been a, just a phenomenal help. Um, they just ensure my safety. And so for that, I, I couldn't be more grateful. Well, Louie, thank you for letting letting your awesome wife out <laughs> and about. It takes a lot of spouses in this business, and they have to be very supportive and loving. Totally. I happen to know a young lady who's in high school right now and is starting to set state records, and I wow. believe she is a sophomore. Wow. And oh she is just going to town. And I'm I'm not sure if she's really aware of this situation, but I'm I'm starting to get the feeling that she really doesn't want to continue this into college. What would you say with a girl who's been swimming all her life, and here she is and setting records, and uh, I don't know if I want to swim in college. What would you say to her? My advice is to not get discouraged. And I know, trust me, I know there are times when. It doesn't feel as if it's worth it or you're burnt out. Swimming is a sport where um, you don't get to take days off. You don't get to um, do all the normal things that a normal child really gets to in terms of sleepovers and, and all the things. You're practicing Saturday mornings. It, it's a pretty miserable, in that sense, sport. But I think my advice is finding comfort and being uncomfortable. That's what I had to learn. Um, which took some time. It wasn't until midway through. I remember the, I swear, I remember the day when I decided I was going to really change my attitude. Midway through my sophomore year of college, I'm just going to come in every day, give it everything I've got, go home, not think about swimming. And that's what I did, and that's when I really started to turn around and have a breakout season. Mm-hmm. And so my vi- advice is don't get discouraged. Find the fun in the in the parts of it that aren't that much fun. Make friendships, have relationships, and don't get discouraged. I know it's, especially with the climate of women's sports right now, it's very easy to get discouraged. Um, But there really is so much value in competing, things that translate far beyond athletic opportunity. All right, I have to tell one more story on you, and then we got to go. So we're down to the last couple of minutes here. You were, you mentioned San Francisco State uh, University. That was, what, Thursday, two weeks ago or three weeks Probably three weeks ago. About three weeks ago. So you were scheduled to come onto my program the next morning. (laughs) All right. And and yeah, the next morning. And I had been looking forward to it and preparing and getting ready and was so excited. And I woke up Friday morning to see your text. And of course, I said, yeah, we're not going to worry about that. And then I read the paper or got that read the paper. What a joke. Got online, (laughs) got online and uh, started running down this story. But I passed this story on to several people that when you were stuck in that room in San Francisco State, you bothered to text some little old local radio host in the middle of Central Texas. I'm not one of the big nuts. And no. I tell you oh what, no, let me tell you how many people, when I told that story, they just said that tells about your spirit, your wow. soul and the kind of person you are and now that I'm getting to know you in person it comes across wow. and I hope you are sh- I hope you are shod with the uh, what is it uh, you've got the breastplate and the belt but the shoes the sandals of peace totally and that's what I see you going about with the sandals of peace Riley um, thank you so much for taking the time and thank you so much for coming out to Texas well thank you I appreciate you and your voice and your leadership and your 
um, ability and willingness to continue shedding light on these issues. All right. We're in this together. Thanks Absolutely. again. Absolutely. Thank you.